Hello and welcome to By Time Stories with Ali and Chai. Today we will be telling you the story of Emperor Elagabalus. I love that you went for like a sultry nighttime voice there. It's bedtime! <laughs> <laughs> this story contains mentions of murder, suicide, racism, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, sex work, and historians being old white men. At just 14 years old, a young Syrian boy named Sextus Varius Avita Sebastianus, which is a fucking mouthful, I love that name. <laughs> uh, rose to power and became known as Marcus Aurelius, but probably he's more well known as the name given to him after his death, which is Emperor Alagabalus. He's one of the ancient world's most controversial figures. Holding the title of one of the ancient world's most controversial figures is very impressive considering there are so many to choose from. I mean, what about turning Christians into candles or naming 70 cities after yourself would be considered normal now? Which was your favourite? Um, definitely naming 70 cities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like goals. that's a very you move. Yeah. The name Malagabalus now epitomises these ideas of decadence and hedonism and disregard for sexual taboo. But, you know, what does that actually tell us about LGBT history apart from some gross, <laughs> gross generalisations? <laughs> Just listen and find out. So much of the information we have about Alagabalus originates from three ancient sources. Which are Cassius Dio, Herodian, and the Vita Antonini Heliogabali. Which is kind of the name of a book or a source, um, which means the life of Alagabalus, basically. And that was written by Alias Lapridius. I think we need to have one of those, um, like, Google like speaky things just conversation because i can't pronounce any of these names (laughs) so now all of these people lived generally at the same time as Lagabalus, but they were never sort of in his direct company so everything they write is based on vicious rumors maybe maybe we don't know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put my reputation on that from these expansive sources, there have been countless histories, novels, plays, and musics, music written about the, the emperor. Musics. The musics. They mostly focus on, yeah, these ideas of like hedonism and debauchery and salacious sexual activity, shall we say? <gasps> and all of this obviously came in a very short span. He only had a four-year reign, which is one of the reasons why people think that he was so outrageous and out there because he did all of this stuff in four years. If you just Google the name Elagabalus, one of the first things that that comes up is this quote from Cassius Dio describing the rumours of the emperor as a sex worker who slept with both men and women and often made himself up in a traditionally feminine fashion. So the quote that you'll find reads, Finally, he set aside a room in the palace and there committed his indecencies always standing nude at the door of the room as the harlots do, and shaking the curtain which hung from gold rings, while in a soft and melting voice he solicited the passers-by. There were, of course, men who had been specially instructed to play the part, for, as in other matters, so in this business too, he had numerous agents who sought out those who could best please him by their foulness. He would collect money from his patrons and give himself airs over his gains. He would also dispute with his associates in this shameful occupation, claiming that he had more lovers than they and took in more money. 
I really like the idea of people being taken to the emperor because they were the foulest in the land and also can I flirt with people by shaking curtains at them? I think if anyone could do it, it, it would be would be you. Thank you. <laughs> mm, it's not a compliment. I'm gonna take it as a compliment, it's fine. So yeah, the whole thing is, it's a lot, it's a bit much. Um, you can find a lot of other quotes as well from more modern historians that say stuff like, the name Alagabas is branded in history above all others because of his unspeakably disgusting <laughs> life, which was written by a dude called Barthold George Niebuhr who was clearly not so into that, I guess. Very judgmental. Yeah, very judgmental. And another quote from Edward Gibbon says, Alagabalus abandoned himself to the grossest pleasures of ungoverned fury. I've definitely been described as all of those things. I have not. I'm abstinence till I die. So this uh, is one of the reasons that some people have interpreted Alagabalus as someone who will be contemporarily understood as trans. Uh, this and the fact that Alagabalus has been reported to have called themselves publicly the Queen of Heracles, who was his coach driver and kind of like main love interest. Main crush. Main crush. Obviously there's like a lot to unpack around kind of like the inherent sexualization of trans people here and particularly the relation that's drawn here between trans people and sex work and also the painting of sex work is like inherently immoral and these are all like big issues and kind of not really something that we unfortunately have the time to talk about right now but we can post some sources about this just to keep everyone like in the loop on our social media pages by time stories on instagram and facebook <laughs> So aside from focusing on the emperor's sexuality and gender identity, many historians of Alagabalus highlight his devotion to an exotic god, predominantly also known as Alagabalus. Obviously it's no coincidence that the young emperor shared this name, um, as he came from the town of Emesea, which is now found in Homs in central western Syria. Um, in this town was a sun god, also named Alagabalus, who was you know, he was like the revered god of that town. Also, Alagabalus was the high priest to the sun god. He performed sort of rituals and dances, and this was a practice that he took into his becoming the emperor in 1218, a uh, common era. Um, he quickly used up Jupiter as the head of the Roman pantheon and installed the Syrian deity in his place. We could spend days talking about the odysseys that made Alagabalus' four-year reign so sensational, like how he lied about his, who his dad was to become emperor. That. <laughs> or the suicide tower. What? Or the human sacrifice. The what? Or the women's senate. Which actually sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty cool. That was cool. But for now, let's just focus on the exoticism which surrounds the boy emperor's reign. The, exotic the exoticism which is unflinchingly tied to reports of Alagabalus' sexual deviancy. I love a bit of sexual deviancy. Stop it. <laughs> so, Martin Ix, who is um, a Dutch historian, has a really fascinating take on this connection between the idea of hedonism and exot exoticism in his book, The Crimes of Alagabalus. Other crimes are available. <laughs> Where he writes, Alagabalus remains an elusive figure, an often inextricable tangle of history and imagination. From antiquity onwards, authors and artists have constantly remodeled the young ruler, using him as a vehicle to present their notions of gender, 
oriental people in big air quotes there. Big air quotes. Um, monotheism, tyranny, androgyny, denigration, anarchy, and a whole range of other issues. If you're interested in this idea, I'd really recommend that you look at Joseph Allen Boone's book, The Homoerotics of Orientalism. Other homoerotics are available. I should have done this podcast alone. Uh, which looks at Western writers' fascination with the Middle East as symbolising the debauchery, decadence, and male homosexuality. From looking at all of this, it's just really important to remember that what we think of as the past is a history not often written by the voiceless, with LGBT stories often being ignored, erased, or used to moralise about the state of contemporary society. We will never know how Lagerbell is identified, whether they saw themselves as trans, or bi, or gay, or even queer at all, if he even had that language to describe himself with. Most of the things we read about them will always be tainted by society's racism, bi, and homophobia, as well as transphobia. But history doesn't always need to belong to someone else. We have the power to reinterpret the past, to use history as a tool to better understand ourselves and our communities, and recent reinterpretations of the story of Alagabalas show us this. For now, we'll leave you with a passage from the play Heliogabalus, A Love Story, which is a reimagination of the story of Lagabalus and his love, Heracles. No, you don't understand. No one could ever understand what it's like to be a boy who looks and acts like a girl. I didn't want this. I didn't try and be like this, but this is the way I am, and I'm perfectly happy with it. It's just that people, people treat me strangely. I walk into a room and I say it's a girl. It's a girl in a boy's body. Ugh. Ugh, as if I have a disease. Do you understand what it's like not to be a masculine person in our culture? That was By Time Stories, the story of Elagabalas with Ellie and Jay. If you'd like to be notified of any further podcasts, you can follow us on our pages on Instagram and Facebook where we are just By Time Stories. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Sleep tight. Don't let the homophobes bite. <laughs>